our semi-regular Scottish correspondent, Chris McLaughlin from the BBC in Scotland, joining us. Uh, good morning to you, Chris. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing well, mate. Uh, tell us about the atmosphere inside Celtic Park. It was all home fans, we understand, and you could it certainly felt that way. Yeah, it was. Um, there's a, a sort of ongoing issue just now between Celtic and Rangers that... Uh, that means that it's only home fans at the at the stadiums, which some people suggest doesn't quite make for the atmosphere that it used to be. But listen, as you guys said, the atmosphere on, on Wednesday night was absolutely incredible. And I think that probably, I mean, we know the old firm atmosphere is huge anyway, but that first half was just absolutely incredible. I have never, that I can remember, seen such a one-sided 45 minutes of football in an old firm game. It was, I mean, Celtic completely ripped Rangers apart. Um, and I, I think that had something to do with the atmosphere. <laughs> All the fears that, that Celtic fans perhaps had that, you know, maybe this Rangers squad might have raised their game uh, for Celtic, who were going well anyway. So Rangers were had been struggling for form a little bit going into that game. But listen, they've still got a good squad. And I think there was... A little bit of fear among some Celtic fans that they might raise their game, but they, but they couldn't manage it. They couldn't live with Celtic in that first 45. Yeah, I thought, you know, I was with the conventional wisdom on this one. I thought you needed the kind of back and forth between the home and away fans to get the best yeah. possible atmosphere. Turns out that's not true at all. You just need the home team to score three amazing goals inside the first 45 minutes and then you're fine. I mean, the quality of those goals, the intensity with which Celtic played in that first half was off the charts. Is that what they're doing week in, week out at Scotland? Yeah, this seems to be, and you guys will probably know this better than me, but this seems to be uh, Postacoglu's, um, it seems to be his way, certainly in the first half, look, absolutely go for it, smother teams, uh, make sure that we hit them with a knockout blow in the first 45 minutes and they won't come back and, and that's what happened. It's worked a lot this season for them. Some of the criticisms, to be fair, of, of Postacoglu's side um, up to now have been that they can't do it for 90 minutes. They don't have the fitness. I'm not surprised, given the given the speed and the intensity of, of the football in, in the first 45. But yeah, it, it seems to be what they do. What I couldn't quite believe about Rangers the other night, and it was evident from the first couple of minutes, is that they kind of sat off Celtic a little bit. Um, and anyone who's had any joy against Ange Postacoglu's side this season usually get in their faces and, and Rangers bizarrely seem to kind of sit back and, and try and soak it up and we know what happened. Um, so tell us, Chris, in terms of um, Ange turning around the media pundits and the Celtic fans coming from... Um, we know what he's done and what he's capable of, but there was a lot of feedback that we were getting secondhand back here about how how is Celtic a, a wonderfully large club recruited this guy and what's he going to bring to the table and look at his recruits and how's he managed to turn that around given um, what what he's done with the squad and, and and being on top of the table? Good question. I mean, I wish I had the answer to be honest because a lot of the the plaudits that have come his way have been down to the fact that he's completely rebuilt the squad. I mean, you look at the the sort of starting 11 in the past few weeks. You've got Tommy Rogic, Forrest, McGregor. Other than that, really, it's a completely new Celtic. Um, he 
I listened to an interview with him the other day and he said, someone asked him, look, are you ahead of where you thought you were going to be by now? And he said, well, yeah, kind of, but he also said, I knew that I wasn't going to get the time. I knew that at Celtic, being someone who was relatively unknown, I wasn't going to get two or three years to rebuild this. So he knew that he had to, re- one, rebuild, and two, be successful. And he's managed that, and you don't see that in football very often. You, you guys might not know it, it, quite in the same way we do here, that at Celtic and Rangers, there are no prizes for second best. <laughs> and that, and I mean that with the <laughs> yeah. fans. Yes. If you don't win, you're out. Uh, and especially, you're out the door even quicker if you're not a recognised name. So Ange Postacoglu has turned things around very quickly, but he had to, because if he didn't, he would not have had the grace that, say, a Steven Gerrard perhaps may have had because he didn't come with that name. And you're right, he's turned around the media as well. We're, we're running out of superlatives for Ange Postacoglu here, to be honest. Um, Tommy Rogic is an interesting one. He's been a Celtic for a long time, but he obviously injury prone and not being able to run out the 90 minutes and, and a few of those things. He's, his form seems to be um, next level as well. He's certainly for the national team for us. We've, we've reaped the benefits, but he seems to be doing doing better this season as well. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've noticed something about Tom Rogic this season and you know he's one of those players who sometimes can look a little bit lacklustre. He can look sometimes a little bit disinterested, but then he just turns and does something special. And I've kind of noticed a a happier Tom Rogic this season. He looks as though he's enjoying his football more. Now, maybe he always was, but he just looks as though he is. And it's easy to put that down to the fact that he is playing with a man that that knows him and and knows his style. Um, I, I think that we're seeing the very best of Tom Rogic. You're right. Tom Rogic, for for the past few seasons, was kind of used as the player who would come on and change a game because he's got something special. He would usually get half an hour, 60 minutes. um, But he's putting in 90 minutes now. He's putting in a performance across 90 minutes now, and he looks happier. And you're seeing, listen, the goal he scored against um, Motherwell the other night was just typical Rogic. You know, that open up your body, curl it into the top corner as though you do that every day. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that, that Rogic and the performance and the turnaround of Rogic has really been key to what Postacoglu's tried to do at Celtic. And it's, yeah, it's working. It's really working. The thing about Scottish football is that the vultures are always circling when it comes to your best players and it's always hard to keep hold of them. Um, but, I mean, Ange seems to be finding players from all over the place. Is it him doing most of the recruiting? Because it seems to be with the four players who've come from Japan, his, his fingerprints are all over those signings. Does Celtic have other other people who are involved, the director of football or so forth, that uh, that greenlight these signings? So how are they finding these players? Yeah, it's a good question. Again, they don't have a director of football as such right now, and I have noticed on Twitter a few Rangers fans saying, how are these guys, how, how are Celtic finding these guys? We've got a director of football, we've got a whole scouting department and this all seems to be coming through Postacoglu. Yeah, he's clearly using his contacts um, in Asia uh, to good effect. Um, I mean, Hatati alone, everyone here is scratching their heads, everyone. And, and I think British football is scratching their heads about how this guy managed to stay under the radar hmm. for so long. He's He's... Absolutely sublime. He's felt um, relatively cheap too, wasn't he? 
Yeah, one point four million. I think they yeah. paid for him, which yeah. is you know absolute robbery in yeah. all honesty. <laughs> um, I expect that he will go on if if, if Atati continues in, in, in the vein that he's that he's in in the form that he's in, and he continues to grow and build. He will go for big, big money to the English Premiership. I would, I would guess, um, because yeah, his his performances have been absolutely out of this world. And yeah, you're right. Poster Coglu is tapping into a market that has not been tapped into much mm. in uh, in Scottish football, UK football, um, and I think that Celtic are absolutely reaping the the benefits of that. I guess Celtic do have a little bit of history with Japanese players. I mean, you think back to mm. Nakamura, who was so well loved yeah. there. So I guess the you know it resonates with the fans a little bit when they they find you know these hidden gems from Asia that you've never heard of before and suddenly become your heroes overnight. You're right, Nakamura. I mean, Celtic fans still talk very very fondly of Nakamura, who was one of the best, wasn't he, uh, Japanese players mm. of all time. Um, and I remember going over to to Japan to do a documentary actually when he signed, and there was another Japanese player called Koki Mizuno, who also signed uh, for Celtic at the time. wasn't quite as successful as Nakamura, and what Celtic get as well as a very good player is the ability to tap into a, a market over there that can be financially very attractive. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know yet just how much that is the case with the players they've got. I I can only imagine it's it's something that they're working on. I would imagine that when the the doors of the world are thrown open again after COVID, there will be tours of Japan. Um, So, yeah, A, they're getting very, very good players, and B, the upside and the, the bonus is they're tapping into what is a very lucrative market financially. Well, certainly the proof... In the will be in the pudding for Ange when it comes to the the business end of the season and the title challenge and so forth. But is the style of play beginning to turn heads? Are people from outside of Scotland beginning to sit up and and take notice of how Celtic are playing? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Certainly, I remember uh, the other night seeing uh, Andrew Robertson from from Liverpool, obviously the Scotland captain, a few others from from down south, uh, tweeting about Hatati. And saying where did this guy come from? He's absolutely incredible. So I think you're right. I think they are. Um, and what's what is really impressive to see about it is that Ange Postecoglou just seems to be kind of taking it all in a stride. He's got that. He's got that Aussie swagger <laughs> that um, that seems to that seems to suggest. Yeah, you know, I've got it. What, what's the big deal? Um, and I think Celtic fans are really buying into that. Uh, that that he has this confidence to say look guys you know there's, there's no big deal I've, I've got this I know what, I know what I'm doing I know where we're going um, and yeah going on from talking about Hitati if, if Ange Postecoglou continues um, to set the heather light the way he has done yeah I can only imagine that other teams are going to take notice and other leagues are going to take notice as well How is he like to deal with in press conferences because he was pretty prickly at the start and you know he can be a bit grumpy when he's asked about certain things that he doesn't want to answer but he's also got this sort of uh, immense quotability about him Ange that he's sort of supremely self-confident but entirely without I I guess pretension yeah you know he's got I would say that that, that journalists here are still wary (laughs) I think he's stony I think that he certainly uh, makes you think twice about the question you're going to ask. I think that's fair. And listen, that's no bad thing for journalists sometimes who can ask daft questions. We know that. 
myself included. Um, so yeah, it, that, that's no bad thing in terms of quotability. You're absolutely spot on. Um, he said something the other night after the game, which I think's actually gone worldwide, and it's he absolutely nailed it. What he said was. Um, there were, of the 60,000 people who came into the stadium, he said, I know that a lot of those people would have would have had problems to deal with. And he said, and for 90 minutes, we've made them forget about those problems. And that, for me, is special. And it's those little things that really resonate with football fans. Old-style football fans who, who know the joys in, of football and know what football means. And he seems to get that. He seems to understand what football means to people. And he comes out with these quotes that proves that. And yeah, and, and I think that's what, make, what makes the, the Celtic fans love him all the more, to be honest. I think he's a football fan himself, first and foremost, from yeah. long. You should read Changing the Game for anyone who needs to, to listen to what uh, Ange thinks. Whilst we're on our Aussies in, in Scotland, tell us about uh, Hearts, Chris. We've got... Uh, Cam Devlin and Nathaniel Atkinson have just made it across there as well. How are they? How are they going? Yeah, okay. Um, I think. I mean, Hearts have been tapping into the Australian market for for some time, haven't they? Um, and and they continue to do that. There's clearly a link um, there somewhere. And well, Ryan McGowan, I suppose, is the obvious one, isn't it? Um, Hearts at the moment are a, a club who. Don't quite, don't quite know what they're doing. One minute they're great, the next minute they're all over the place. Um, but in general, doing pretty well. They're a good club, Hearts. Very good club. It's a, uh, if you ever get a chance to come over here and, and go to a game at Tynecastle, it's one of the best atmospheres you'll, you'll find in football. It's very, very intense. Um, so it's early days, I think, to see in, in terms of, of how those guys are doing. But they're, they're a very good club. Um and they've got a very good manager as well. And there is a, a history of, of, of decent Australian players coming through that club. So I think they'll do just fine, to be honest. What do you think are Nathaniel Atkinson's chances of, of nailing down a regular first-team place as that kind of right wing-back in that system? He's got in lately because I think there's been an injury to more established players ahead of him. But you know we're looking at him as a potential Socceroos prospect and so forth. But you know, he, there were times in the A-League where he couldn't get off the bench at Melbourne City. So it's sort of, uh, I mean, we all know the ability he has, but it's sort of slightly bizarre that, uh, you know, he's been the one plucked out of the A-League. Yeah, I, I think technically he looks good. Um, he's a kind of player who looks pretty comfortable on the ball. Uh, I think what he will probably have to get up to speed with quickly is the intensity mm. of, of the football in Scotland because you don't get, um, even at right back, you don't get much time in the ball. Uh, it's very, very difficult for players who are used to having a little bit, of, you know, having a little bit more time and space. It can be very difficult for those players to get up to speed with the the blood and thunder that sometimes is in Scottish football. So if he can adapt to that and retain that obvious technical ability that he has. There's no reason why he can't. Um, you're right. The, the, I think Michael Smith has been mm. um, at right back for some time and, and he's played very well. He's injured at the moment. But listen, we know how that works in football. When someone goes out, someone else can take the chance. And there's no reason why he can't if he can do those things that I mentioned. Now, um, Chris, we've been sharing a few players in the national team of late. With you know, I'm talking about Martin Boyle and, and Harry Sutar for us and Lyndon Dykes for, for Scotland. 
There's a, a gentleman that's just joined the A-League that uh, started with a bang at Hibs, played, had got a few caps for Scotland and then had a few few extra clubs and a few disciplinary reasons, but he's just landed in Australia and he starred with uh, Central Coast Mariners with a goal on debut, and that's Jason Cummings. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, his history? Uh, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> we like characters Jason down here. We want characters. Cummings. Yeah. Oh, you've got a character. You've certainly got a character, that's for sure. Jason Cummings will light up any dressing room in any football club across the world. Um, He's not short of confidence. (laughs) He is certainly a character. But to be fair, on his game, he's not short of ability either. Um, I think the big big thing about Jason Cummings is if a manager can find that balance between taming him and getting the best out of him but not stifling his character, then you've got a very, very good player. He's got great natural ability. He's got that thing that all good strikers should have, and that's confidence, a bit of arrogance. Um, But he's as daft as a brush. (laughs) (laughs) In all honesty, he's a daft and and likeable. I I don't don't mean that in a a disrespectful way. He's a likeable guy. Um, but you, if you're looking for a character, you've found one in Jason Cummings, believe me. Excellent. He's got an Australian mum too. So at first press conference after the yeah, interview after his game where he scored saying, yes, yes, I'm happy to play for the Socceroos if you pick me. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I've interviewed Jason Cummings many times. I know him, I know him fairly well through that. And uh, yeah, good luck to the manager who's trying to uh, to manage him. But if he does manage it, uh, he's got a very good player. <laughs> well, it's a quite sort of, uh, how would you describe Nick Montgomery? Sort of dour, stern Yorkshireman? Yes. That's what <laughs> so, really coach, yeah. yeah. So well, it could go it's, badly. It's a good luck. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Chris McLaughlin, we could talk to you all day, but uh, you've got places to be, I'm sure. Uh, thank you so much for making the time for us on FNR, and we look forward to catching up with you again so you can say more nice things about Ange and stro- stroke that Australian football ego. We love that. We need it too. We, <laughs> we just it. we just like being <laughs> we just like someone to pay attention to us. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> well, you're certainly making uh, you're certainly making us sit up and notice. So uh, yeah, absolutely.